waters of the spy stream. I see now I've done terrible things. But you started when you murdered my father. I'll never forgive you. Well, you're going to have to. He's no good to me dead. I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Like my father before me. Welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than the loving bond between a Rancor and the first human it prints upon into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. This week, we are tackling The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 3, The Streets of Mos Espa. And to do that, we're bringing back special guest Kara DJ. Hi, Kara. Hello. How are you? She's back. <laughs> really happy to have you back on. Kara DJ, if you haven't listened to... Um, our preview episode or the the first Matrix review episode is the sole proprietor of Into a Larger World Star Wars fanzine. So we're happy to have her back on. For people that have not listened, do you want to give them a little rundown of what your, your zine is all about? Sure. Yeah. So my zine is entering in June. It'll be year three of existence. We've had 31 issues it's basically just fan-made madness with a lot of contributions from other fan creators, and we try to do some fancy interviews and stuff, and yeah, it's the love of my life, and this year we've transferred to quarterly instead of monthly, because monthly was kicking my butt, Sure. so um, the first one will come out in March, I'm really, really excited, and yeah, the zine is, is my favorite thing in the whole world, and... I've met so many cool people through it, and yeah. And Kara Zine was recently featured in an issue oh, of yeah. Star Wars Insider. <laughs> Is that still blowing your mind? Oh, yeah. It still doesn't feel real. I mean, it was <laughs> it was crazy. I went on um, Blast Points, one of their Patreon episodes, our friends Blast Points, um, for talking about the documentary The Beginning, and it was me and Brandon Wynerdy from Talking Bay 94, and Brandon has three things that he wrote in this past issue of Insider. So it was like that. And then also my zine was was pictured in an article about fanzines and they did a little paragraph on me and it was insane. And yeah. It's wild that like there's just two degrees of separation between people that are writing for like an official Star Wars magazine. It's wild. Uh, so yeah, it's congratulations insane. on that. Thank I'm, you. I'm, that's really, really crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so today we're talking about episode three of The Book of Boba Fett, a truly unhinged, wild episode. Seriously. Um, but uh, I think still a really good one. Um, oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, we talked about The Matrix, Kara, but what is your relationship to Boba Fett, the character? I know you're probably, what's your relationship to Boba Fett it out? But I just want to know, like, what's your what's your journey been with Boba Fett? <laughs> My Boba journey. Um, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I... I when I think of like how I felt about how I feel about Boba Fett and how I felt about him pre this show before this show I think so much about like how I felt going into the Mandalorian which is like I didn't really have strong feelings about it it was like you know like sure I was really I've talked about this a lot but like I was really worried going into Mando that it was just gonna be like you know big bad guy beating up people and really violent and kind of like gratuitous and like the sure. stuff that I really don't like tough guy stuff yeah exactly but it was obviously like so different and I definitely already feel that about Book of Boba Fett too in like a huge way and I think like Attack of the Clones if anything definitely made me feel for Boba but mostly for for Django and Temuera Morrison is like just so hot and that's neither here nor there but I just love him a lot but anyway um it's here right now so <laughs> this is an especially good episode for you I'm sure if that's the case but it's here there and everywhere but um <laughs> but yeah and then when he came back in Mandalorian season two I was like I want to know more and that made me more excited for this show and 
they're not going in that direction that I thought they might, which would be like Boba Fett comes in, kicks a lot of butt. And I think there are people who are upset that it's not that. I don't really care that they're upset, but because I'm loving it, I think it. <laughs> Sorry, but I think it's just like, it's really exciting. And I think they're doing really, really interesting things with the character. So absolutely. They're taking him from a masked character with three lines to an entire evolution of a character, actually backfilling and giving him that emotional depth that like was a reason that I'm sure like people like you and I didn't really relate to the character before because we didn't have anything to really latch on to. There wasn't anything that was relatable besides he looked cool as hell. And yeah, they've really taken him on a ride so far. (laughs) This episode takes him on a, (laughs) takes him further down that road, takes a few other people further down the road as well. We'll get to that. Like we said, last episode, the hollow chamber is something we usually do to go in the, the background, behind the scenes, the deep history of things. It didn't seem appropriate for this. So for this, we're going back to basics. So this episode, episode three of the Book of Boba Fett, The Streets of Mos Espa, as mentioned, released on Wednesday, January 12th, 2022, directed by the madman himself, Robert Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> you could tell from frame one that he, that he directed this episode. Written once again by Jon Favreau. The cast, of course, including Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett, Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, David Pasquesi as the mayor's major domo, Matt Barry, shout out to Matt Barry, as 88. Sophie Thatcher as Drash and Danny Trejo, of course, <laughs> as the Rancor Keeper. Uh, Sophie Thatcher, if you haven't been watching Yellow Jackets, is really good in that show as well. Not for the squeamish, but it's a really incredible show. I'm very squeamish, so I probably won't be watching, but I trust you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> wild. I assume you watched the episode, but Kara and I are going to go through and let you know exactly what happened. As a Bomar monk skitters across the Tatooine desert, we head once again into Boba's palace as 88 priest Fennec and the new daimyo on the lay of the land post-Jabba. Trandoshans took the city center, the Aqualish took the workers' district, and the Clutunians now own Starport in Upper Sprawl. A Gamorrean guard soon announces the arrival of Lorth Appeal, a local watermonger from the workers' district who informs Boba that no one respects him. Uh, just coming in hot to Jabba's palace, or to Boba's palace, I keep calling it Jabba's palace by habit he just comes in as like no one likes you (laughs) uh really insane thing to do to the new crime lord he probably understood that he was maybe a little soft and could go Mm. in to do that you think i think so yeah i mean i think he wasn't afraid i think there just hasn't been a lot of showing of like uh really public displays of violence from from boba yet and maybe that's what they're more used to in the town right so that was still gutsy of that guy but it definitely was, especially as like a human, just some regular yeah. guy. It's not a super powered pig guard or like a dog man or anything like that. It's just some human guy that's a watermonger. Dude. Pill goes on to say that the streets of Mos Espa have fallen into chaos amidst the transition of power and a local street gang that modifies their bodies with droid parts has been stealing his water inventory. And he'll double his tribute to the new crime lord if he takes care of this scourge. As night falls, Boba, Fennec, and their two Gamorrean bodyguards take to the streets to find this (laughs) cyber gang and come upon them in an alley, their Vespa-like speeders encircling them as they gather around a fire. Didn't this feel so... It felt so Bad Batch to me. It felt so like animated Star Wars, that whole Absolutely. sequence, you know? Absolutely, it did. Especially with the bright colors like, yeah. contrasting against the uh, earth tones of Tatooine. It definitely oh. felt like a splash of that animated color in there. And I, I really appreciated that. Me too. Yeah, it was just really, it was just really, really interesting. It felt very like uh, Bad Batch when they go back to SIDS and like are eating the popcorn or whatever. You got to have that mentel mix. It's That's delicious. what it's called. I forgot. <laughs> that demands to know where they got their water supply from as Drash, seemingly the leader of the group, steps forward. She insults Boba and talks down to him and demands to know why he thinks charging a month's wage for a week's worth of water seems fair. Boba shows off his centrist boomer Facebook comment reply guy side <laughs> and, <laughs> and tells them, I should have read this ahead of time, and tells them if they're in the working district, they should be working. Drash informs him there is no work, so Boba recruits the gang to work for him. That's what I like to do is kind of put little uh, time bombs <laughs> in here for you to read if you haven't read it yet. <laughs> so, no, I love um, it. Your your thoughts overall on this on this gang? I know they're a pretty controversial thing for some reason, but um, it seems like you you really enjoyed them. I just think it's really interesting. I thought it was cool. I thought it showed 
a side of of Boba Fett where he's like, and I think we see this in more obviously in more than one point in this episode. He's like looking for he's looking for resources, like you sure. know what I mean. Like he's mm-hmm. looking for how he's gonna run most Espa most effectively, and he doesn't just want to beat people up or kill them or throw them in prison. Like he's. I feel like he's being more strategic about it. It feels sure. very, it feels very Godfather in a way, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like utilizing all the different angles. And I think right away he probably was like, I'm older. I have to sleep in Bacta and here's some <laughs> young half robots who might be able to, you know, help Fennec out a little bit if I have, cause I obviously can't run and do parkour on roofs and stuff. So <laughs> You know, why not get a couple more speed demons on our side, you know? Yeah, relatable. Can't, right. can't, move, can't move quite as quickly anymore. It's also exactly. too, Boba seems like a very active listener in that he's looking for these like entry points into the culture of Tatooine too. And he's like, mm. oh, I, well, I heard this watermonger talking about this punk gang. And then and he goes there and listens and it's like, oh, there is no work like this. So this guy is actually in the wrong I'm mm-hmm. taking y'all with me. You're coming with me and we're forming our own thing and like, screw this guy. It's, it's just interesting to me to see Boba kind of react in the moment and kind of weigh the the side of justice as he's listening and, and as, as he's speaking with the people that he's now like lording over. And I just think that this gang is really cool looking. I know a lot of people don't. I just think that they're so cool looking and it's such a, such a fun thing to add to the conversation of what Star Wars can be. I was thinking a lot about them in terms of their brightly colored Vespa scooters, their <laughs> Vespa speeders, just their their stylish look and how they're cleaner and everything's polished. Like that would be the counterculture on Tatooine, right? Is everything so, you know, scraped by sand and right. and um and so, you know, like time worn and there's so many people arriving and leaving all the time that this group that probably doesn't have a family you know, their, their way to rebel is like, no, we're polishing our, uh, our speeders up. We're going to stand out by, you know, literally being mods with mods and going that way, you know, going that direction. They're, they're, they're taking this new path. Like we don't want to be like these stupid, like, uh, most Espa, most espians. I don't know what you would even call them. Like yeah. we, we, we want to stand out by being like the clean, cool looking mods, you know? So um, I, I appreciate it. I thought it was a really cool addition and they're, they're really cool later on too. I think that they really add a lot to the, the dynamic of the show. I think so too. Seemingly out of nowhere, the watermonger appears and demands his 1300 credits for the water they stole from him. Bobo warns him he needs to cut his prices and has Fennec toss him a sack with 500 credits in it. And he and his newly formed posse head back to the palace. Now, is is this gang like head, just hanging out next to his door? <laughs> it was so weird. He just is like, wait a minute, that's not right. Because he comes in from like off screen. It's being nitpicky, but I'm just like, they're just hanging out outside by a fire by his house. And he, he his office is there. I don't want to get too in the weeds, but I just Unless thought it was just like, just like. They're just like tormenting him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We got your water, old man. It felt very much like a, a high school play, like stage entrance. He was like, no, 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 no. Like just came yes, in running out of nowhere. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Back in his back to tank, Bobo once again dreams of his time on Camino, watching his father, Django, fly off and leaving him alone to gaze out upon the raging waves that consume the planet. We move forward in time to Boba riding a bantha into Mos Eisley to seek an audience with the Pike Syndicate. The Pike leader states that protection arrangements are all a part of doing business in the Outer Rim. Boba responds in kind by saying he'll take his payment and be on his way. Now, this this Camino section, mm. going back and showing this kind of the same scene that we saw during Boba's uh, like lizard trip, is really fascinating to me because. What what did you make of this scene? What do you what do you make of the scene currently? What do you think it's trying to imply? It's really intense to me that they keep showing that. I don't know why. It's like every time I see it, it gives me it gives me chills because we've seen so little of Camino in live action. It's like every time we see it, it's just like, huh, you know, <laughs> like right? It just it's a rush. Like a chill. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what I don't know if it's just because it's like you said, it was part of the lizard trip, so maybe all the dreams he's having are just like things that he experienced during that or, or if it's just, 
I don't know, maybe like remembering things he tried to forget type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Just things yeah. that have things that have affected him up to this point. And it's I think it's just really striking that not specifically Django's head getting cut off, though we've seen that obviously mm. in flashback and in his dreams. And it's his father leave, constantly leaving. It's mm. it's a constant departure. So think about it at that case. He's being, I mean, he's not being left alone. He's there with the Camino wins. He's there with like Tan Wee and everything like that. But right. to see your father constantly take off like that and no, not know mm. if he's going to come back is going to be traumatic. You know, he, you know, he knows he lives this dangerous lifestyle. So it's like this constant, constantly viewing his dad leave when he just wants him to stay um yeah. is really heartbreaking it's really it just is. a heartbreaking thing to to uh behold in this show and i can't believe they're going there i really can't believe they're going to like the childhood trauma of boba fett um, it's incredible and like and also it made me i just was thinking just now like you know he's watching him leave and then it was it the only time he ever went with him that he died that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking he finally i'm thinking he finally got to like saddle up and ride with them and then it's he just he ends up with his dad's head in his hands basically or his helmet in his hands there's some implication there isn't there that like he that might have been his first time it's not funny but it's like man that's bad that's bad luck on boba's part that the one time he gets to go bummer yeah yeah, it ends pretty poorly for Django. The Pike leader says he has spoken to his managers all the way back on Obadiah, uh, which is the Pike homeworld shown in detail on season seven of the Clone Wars. Mm. And they're not too keen on paying for more than one party to protect them. Boba informs him that the Sand People far outnumber the Kinton Striders, which is the swoop bite gang that Boba recently beat the shit out of at Tashi Station in the previous <laughs> episode. Uh, that that's the one that they currently that currently collects the protection money that Boba claims that belongs to him and the Tusken Raiders. And that that won't be a problem going forward. Boba mounts his bantha and returns to the Tuscan camp. Upon his return, he notices smoke from the settlement and finds his Tuscan tribe has been massacred. Fett notices the swoop bike gang symbol emblazoned on one of the burnt down tents. This was apparently retaliation for his assault on the gang at Tashi Station. Boba cremates his fallen brethren and rides off in his bantha. So let's talk about it because I feel like, okay, so I'm I'm going to go off a little. I'm not going off. I just... I'm not, I'm not going off. I I think I have to like, I think I have to process some stuff. So like, you know me, I am not on Twitter. I stay away from discourse as much as I can, because if I personally, besides the fact that like, you know, I don't want other people's like opinions to impact just how I generally feel. Also, obviously it's, it can devolve into something pretty horrific and triggering, but also pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, but also like I don't know. So so there's that. But and I know that people like are having feelings about this. And I think wh- on my first watch, my first my first thought was like maybe it's not that bad, maybe it's not that bad. But on my second watch, it it did bum me out a lot. And I and I don't know if I'm being impacted by reading what people have said, because it's like, were we just using this indigenous plot line as just a plot device to further Boba Fett? And did they just do all of that, like, you know, base world building with them just to kill them? And is that like a really harmful trope? And like and I and I I don't I don't know that I'm the person to make that judgment call, obviously, as someone who's not indigenous. But like, but I think my, what the conclusion that I'm coming to right now is that I think we just have to let the whole season play out and then make a final call on that. Oh yeah. 100%. Do you agree? Okay. What I tend to think is mm-hmm. they're not all dead. You know, the well, implication, the implication, yes, the visual language of it. About that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The visual language of it is, is meant to evoke emotion from you that that mm-hmm. this this tribe that has just taken him is is dead there's no way they're going to spend all of that time and all the background about the tatooines mm-hmm. oceans and the indigenous land just to kill them they would not mm-hmm. they would not be that insensitive to that kind of allegory i don't believe that they're all dead i don't even think it's just the warrior and the kid mm-hmm. that are not dead i think that there's um I think there's a, a small portion of them that got away, you know, because that's not the only tribe of Tusken Raiders, obviously, on right. Tatooine. And, you know, they they walk in single file to hide their numbers. You never know how many there are. So I, it's a, it's a, to me, I think it's a classic fake out. It's a very emotional scene. I, I think the reverence and the attention to detail of Boba's face 
and mm. the guilt on his face for having left them and coming back to them being slaughtered mm-hmm. for having in the first place taken those swoop bikes for getting involved at all is apparent. And I think that the score is really emotionally affecting here. It's really, yeah. it takes it to a dark place. I don't think it's just one and done. They're all dead. You know, I, I just don't think that they would do that on any level. Mm-hmm. And I think when we get into some more speculation on what's going to happen next, I have more to say on on that specific. I do too. So I'll save it for that. I'll save it for that. <laughs> yeah, on that specific tribe of Tuscan specifically, I think that there's something that's going to be more of a payoff later. But we'll get back to that in a minute. Yeah, um, we will, for sure. Yeah, Yes, we will. We fade back into the present as Boba is ripped from his back to take slumber, still in tidy whities by Black Kernsanton. Boba is nearly killed by the assassin and the mod biker gang Boba recruited comes to his rescue. Attempting escape, Black Kernsanton tackles two Gamorrean guards down the stairs and the fight continues in the throne room. The would-be Wookiee assassin is trapped in the Rancor pit after some quick thinking by Fennec. Boba joins them in the throne room wearing only a robe. He just puts his robe on, hanging out comes in uh pretty slick pretty smooth but i i loved it this scene was genuinely frightening to me as Agreed. like it was the the way it was handled was especially brutal him just hovering over the back to tank and then ripping him out is uh was really effective especially just like you know they've established that the back to tank is the safe place where we're just going to like visualize boba's dreams you know yeah to have it where it's like all of a sudden here's the assassin. What did you think of this fight scene? What did you think of this moment in general? It was intense. I mean, I think on the second watch, I couldn't even really watch it. I just do so hard. I do so poorly with violence. <laughs> That's right. But, you don't um... like violence. That's right. <laughs> but um, it was really intense and really scary. But one thing that I noticed on the second watch is uh, when they showed like the clip from last week, the twins say sleep lightly bounty hunter. Oh Yeah. And I didn't realize, like, oh, because they got him when he was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a pretty scary Wookiee. I really like seeing Boba get his butt kicked, just like I like seeing Mando get his butt kicked. I like that he's not infallible. I like that he's not perfect. I like that he's kind of on the struggle bus. Like, that just makes me connect with him a lot more. And I th- so, yeah, I thought that was really cool, but it was definitely really scary. <laughs> Yeah, you you connect because you two have been tossed around by a giant seven foot tall uh, Wookiee, correct? It's true. Yeah, just cracking my bones. (laughs) Boba does get rocked in this scene, too. There's one additional blast back into his back to tank that I didn't notice on like a third watch through that, you know, he's getting tossed around like a rag doll. But at the end of it, he gets one more, which is especially brutal right back Mm. into the back to tank that knocks him out. Doesn't a Wookiee back crack seem like that? See, doesn't it seem nice? I feel like that would do wonders. (laughs) I feel like that would do wonders for me as a person, uh, especially like working from home for two years. And I really Mm -hmm. love like the the um, the uh, electric knuckles he's got, and yeah, just one of the more like brutal fight scenes I've seen in Star Wars. Like it just doesn't, it didn't, it it seemed intentional. They really amped it up in that point, especially since it's Robert Rodriguez. But um, Mm -hmm. and the the robe just cracked me up. I don't know why, because he's just like, what's going on out here? Uh, anything happening out here, guys? Boba and Fennec talk over a prepared feast. Fett thinks he needs to have, make a move, but Fennec informs him he already has by locking Black Kernsanton into the dungeon of the palace. The two banter about the appropriate follow-up strategy as 88 enters to inform them the twin huts are at the gate, bringing them a gift. The scene is really cool to me because it's really 100% on the nose. Hmm. Two people, two ideologies on two ends of the table, just trying to decide what's next. I love a good table scene. Mm-hmm. I love a good like back and forth between Boba and Fennec, and I love Star Wars food. We get so yes. much Star Wars eating and food in this in this scene. It's great. Yeah, it was it was really like Hook vibes, you know. When he finally <laughs> totally. <sees> the <laughs> oh yeah, it looked delicious, like Disney King turkey leg vibes. The Huts claim they are there to apologize for sending Kern Satin to kill Fett and offer a Rancor pup and Danny Trejo as a gift for the trouble. Boba tells him to leave the planet and he'll consider it a truce. But the Huts inform them they're out of there because Jabba's territory was promised to another syndicate by Mayor Malkshaiz. More on him later. Um, Boba Fett offers to release their Wookiee assassin back to them, but they in turn offer him as their tribute before departing. Fett frees Kern Satin and he runs off in a really goofy fashion, really recalling to me that scene in Attack of the Clones where the clone trooper helps her up off the dune and she just runs off really goofy too. Uh, I, re- I would really love to see those two scenes side by side. I don't know. Something's so funny about someone in a Wookiee suit running away. It's it's, just, it's what you live for. 
I agree. And what did you think of seeing Danny Trejo? I, I screamed. I, I definitely went like, what? I did a oh, yell for sure. It's perfect. He, and, and it's one of those things where he could easily like break the illusion. But Danny Trejo. No, it just, worked. It worked. He's so Danny Trejo that he belongs in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And him just riding up on that hover pad with the Rancor. I was like, here we go. We're in for it. Um, it. Yeah, I thought in this scene too, I just thought was really interesting that mm. the huts were like, oh, our bad. Like we uh <laughs> we just tried to kill you, but sorry about that. Do you see any ulterior motives here? Do you see any kind of other motivations happening? Or are you with Boba or are you with do you believe the huts? Which is kind of a loaded <laughs> loaded question. But Yeah, I I think I'm not sure. I think there might be something going on with the Rancor and the Rancor trainer. I don't know if it's going to be that cut and dry, you know, like maybe there might be a little bit of an ulterior motive there, like getting someone into the palace that can kind of watch. I don't know. We'll see. There was a little bit there that seemed maybe a little shady, but I mean, I think it's interesting that to see even the huts be like, this is not it. We're out. Like goodbye. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Because it's the because the it, the territory is promised to someone that's mm-hmm. apparently maybe more scary to them. My my reading of it was kind of maybe they were told to clear out by a higher ranking yeah. syndicate, cut their losses type thing. Yeah, or like yeah. move out of the way. We got the, we're, this guy is ours. Mm-hmm. You know, this uh, like we'll take care of it from here. But yeah, yeah. it just seemed really sudden and. um a real about face from you know one day prior <laughs> true <laughs> as fennec heads off to arrange a meeting with the mayor boba is introduced to his new rank or pet by its keeper danny Trejo. <laughs> i hope his name in star wars is like dan e like <laughs> <laughs> they like don't even try yeah <laughs> i'd love it um anyway boba is introduced to his new rancor pet by its keeper danny trejo who informs bet that the rancor is depressed same and the species just <laughs> kidding and the species is actually extremely emotionally complex same, same. his keeper then <laughs> explains that it imprints on the first human it sees amazing rancor vision shot true and that was very that was something else Bet pets the rancor and tells danny trejo that he wants to learn to ride it which was insane. And obviously that was a pretty clear holiday special reference. I've ridden beast 10 times its size. Love it. You love to hear it. Oh, I really did. Uh, And 88 barges in saying that the mayor isn't available for 20 days, Uh, (laughs) which I love that. It's just like, what? No, we're not having this. Yeah, for sure. Finding this unacceptable, Fett storms off to see the mayor, but not before informing Danny Trejo to feed the Rancor an entire Ronto from the larder. That was great. <laughs> Let's see that version. I want to see the Rancor eat. Fett, Fennec, and the rest of the crew storm the mayor's office, catching the Majordomo off guard. He heads into the mayor's chambers to fetch him, but immediately locks the doors and escapes in a speeder. The mod biker gang chases him in the goofiest chase we've seen in a while. That's John's words, not mine, but it was pretty goofy. And eventually corner him where he informs Boba that the mayor is off world with the pikes. So what did you think? Let's talk about, should we talk about the chase? There's a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's, let's start from the top of this with that rancor scene. Yes. And then we we can talk the chase because that rancor scene, um, what kind of vibes did you get from that? I mean, I definitely, it's just showing such another, like, such an interesting part of Boba Fett. Like, what is it about the Rancor that he's so drawn to? Like, is it just because he's seeing it as another resource, like, to have this beast be, like, indebted to you or, you know, that kind of thing? Like, is that it? Or is it more of an emotional thing? Is he just a big, softy sweetie which is possible i mean (laughs) who knows i think that that's entirely possible um because i think he's seeing the side of these creatures and these and like the tuscan raiders these things that people have viewed as the enemy the Mm -hmm. the wretched you know fate steps in fate steps in to rescue the wretched i think he sees everyone thinks that the rancors are these really i thought they were bred for fighting i thought this mm-hmm. you know the the witches of dathomir have said to have been riding them their scene is these like 
devastatingly powerful and and uh ferocious beasts hmm. but he's just when he sees it and he hears that it's a complex creature he he also is saying same you know he's like yeah <laughs> i'm also depressed and i'm also also emotionally complex and i think like it's basically like his empathy is growing you know he's 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 not this hardened bounty hunter anymore he's not this True. he's opening himself up to people it's just one of those things where he's like suffered a tragedy with this the fate of this Tuscan tribe. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's not hardening himself because of it. He's opening himself up to people and he's inviting all these things in. And it's like, why wouldn't a rancor be a part of that? And I, I don't know, just also the, just the leap to him saying like, uh, I want to ride this thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just cracked me up. I was like, I, I would probably be in the same boat. Whenever I see a large dog, I want to ride it. So I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And also like one thing that Travis and I talked about on force time, in like the first episode breakdown is like, I mean, and when I say this, I'll be, I'll admit that like, I don't think I'm including comics and extended universe in this statement. I'm just really talking like surface level, but like maybe Boba Fett in the original trilogy wasn't a bad guy. Like maybe he was a bad guy to us because he was hunting down people that we loved a lot, mainly Chewie and Han, but maybe he was just doing a job, you know? Yeah. Maybe he was just, just a guy making bad decisions in with the wrong people, making, just making those credits. It's not like he was saying like, Oh, the rebellion is bad. He was like, no, I'm just doing what I was hired to do. So I think that's just an interesting thing to think about, you know? You know, he's hiding behind the mask because he's not ready to embrace his current self and he had some time to sit and think in the in the sarlacc pit about mm. the, the the decisions he's made and the good and the bad and what he's let in and what he's pushed out because you know in in clone wars he's a very angry child he's super yeah. <laughs> he's super angsty if you're really honing in on boba the character mm. he's he's just kind of jaded and like fuck mm. it i'm just gonna do it this is all about me. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to be the best bounty hunter of the galaxy, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not really well, well versed on the current, but with that like canon anyways, but no, I, 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 I definitely see that like, this is probably not, you know, a near death experience being digested in like a sand beast. If you survive that, you would have a new lease on life, but maybe this was here beforehand. And he's just, maybe just a lover of animals. I mean, you can still be a, yeah. a jerk and a lover of animals. I'm sure maybe that's what, softens the beast you know the next part the um the chase itself and mm-hmm. the involvement of the mayor and all of this what are what are your, your your thoughts on this chase let's go chase first yeah uh mayor motivation second i thought the chase was fun i still think i need to watch it one more time but like in slow motion i mean i know that's funny because everyone's saying that it was like slow but also like how it was crowded streets they couldn't go fast Kara, like, thank you thank you so much am i wrong like no you're right i i right? i if um i uh i step on a soapbox on i i just was on um the into the garbage shoot podcast with silver and cat and yeah. i i i stood up in defense of the chase scene and that's exactly what i said he's driving a space buick it's basically vespas vespas aren't fast it's it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's really crowded. It's tight turns. It's small alleys. Let's get over the slowness of the chase. It's true. It's slow. It's goofy. We get it. But do you see everything else happening in this episode? I feel like I feel like with discourse, we just lock on to yes. one thing, and it becomes the joke. It becomes the joke. It becomes the mm-hmm. joke. And it's like we get it. It's it's not the best chase in the world, especially after an amazing like train heist on the last episode. True. True. And and that I can see how that's shocking to people. It's fine. It's goofy as hell. It's fun. Yeah. Let's move on from a one note joke. You know that oh it's slow. We get okay. We get it. Um, I totally agree. And I feel like there was just a lot of detail and like really cool street view stuff that was happening. That like mm-hmm. I want to watch it and pause a bunch of times so I can see. Like I think wasn't one of the fruits from Rebels in it. Yeah. Uh, and that like, mel- that weird w- real life melon that's or something. yeah yeah and which uh, exists in real life right and then, and then there's like cool like just really cool like pedestrian shots and and just like that's the kind of stuff that i love is seeing like the like the streets and the stores and the people and like that that's always really fun to me so i liked that 
it was just so wacky and it was like mm-hmm. Robert Rodriguez like I have an idea and it's like yeah. just kind of kind of clunkily staged and but come on you have like the most ridiculous moments possible where they barely make sense like b- blasting through a, a Ralph McQuarrie painting yeah with, like of Jabba's palace throne room minus Luke just like these old like vaudeville jokes you know like old like classic like laurel and hardy style humor Mm -hmm. pumped in there which is very george lucas you know very and uh there's like um just these like these moments like the rickshaw driver that tries to (laughs) get out in front of it and beat it but just kind of gets knocked to the side which is like so insanely goofy because it's like barely it's barely a joke or barely something endearing that happens but it's just like i don't know it's it's fun it's it's a star wars tv show let's not be too picky on on another level i do feel like it's them like kind of toying with the major domo Mm -hmm. because you know it's not it's not a high speed chase and i know you know people were commenting that oh boba just flies in at the end and i think that's purposeful i think that's him kind of cat and mouse like i think it was more of like a uh, a fear tactic or something to just kind of like throw the major domo off so that he would disclose this information that might be a stretch but i'm sticking with it no um, i thought i totally agree i think you're right yeah and you know we we learn from him that the mayor is in league with the pikes to what end do you think do you have any ideas as to what why the pikes are so heavily invested in tatooine no i really don't i it seems like from from everything that was said in this episode and then also with the train heist pikes last week, it's like there's a bigger something that's above all of this. And like, I don't, we don't really know yet. Right. Like I'm, I'm assuming it's Kira. I just, I, I mean, I like, I think that that would be so incredible, but like, I can't allow myself to believe that yet. I understand that for sure. <laughs> you know? I just, I just feel like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I said this last week with Doug, too, where it's like, I think that it would make sense without her as well. Yes, um, I agree with that, too. It, and I think it would be just as satisfying if it's like the head pike. Or, I agree. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be somebody to be satisfying because I really like what they have going on right now. Um, I, I totally agree. And I think I even think that like meeting a totally new crime overlord that's also associated with all those people yeah could be really exciting like that just leads to more stuff you know right exactly and i trust them to take us you know i feel like they've um (laughs) they've been doing a really good job of balancing the story so far and i trust them to take us somewhere that makes sense it's always going to be a pretty simple solution right it's going to be something that's you know you could rattle off 40 different theories and it's just going to be the, the a straight line is the closest distance between two points you know true and i said this on on the garbage suit podcast as well there's just something to me about beyond the thematic elements of mm. the ocean drying up on tatooine and boba coming from an ocean ocean planet and you know restoring life and mm-hmm. vibrancy to tatooine beyond yeah. like the thematic resonance of that there's something about how much they're bringing it up. Maybe there's something geologically about Tatooine, whether it's like heavy spice deposits or mm. um, something that they're after that helps their economic gain or something yeah. that's really helpful to their syndicate that is is stored somewhere on Tatooine or is only available because of the uh, unique geological traits of, of Tatooine or like the evolution mm. of the planet somehow. That's probably reaching way too far, but like... Yeah, they just they just bring it up so much and pikes have spice mines you know mm-hmm. they're on kessel and they i don't know maybe the maybe the mines have gone dry and they found a new one on tatooine could just it could just be that it's a bunch of scumbags that are buying lots of spice and it's a you know a payday for them there you know but we'll see because yeah boba and crew are they're crewing up to go to war i i feel like we're episodes away from seeing boba fett riding a rancor there's that is black kern santon gonna be on his side yeah we can get some more discussion and, and speculation about what's going on at this point. Before we do that, we have something, you know, Twitter discourse aside, there's something that you brought to my attention 
It's extremely, <laughs> extremely important to the show and the future of Star Wars in general. Um, and it's 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 this revelation. And why don't you go ahead and, and reveal to me what you told me earlier? <laughs> so I will admit. So my boyfriend, my boyfriend told me that he saw this on Twitter. I don't know where on Twitter. He saw it, so I would have to ask for, like, an official source. But this is not, like, confirmed in any way. But And he didn't even send me the tweet. He just told me about it. But it was someone saying, okay. <laughs> so the mayor's name is Mayor Mok Shaiz. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even hear it right anymore. But continue. I'm sorry. It's, like, so good. It's so breathe. good. Uh, okay. So, he, and all all that Sean told me was he was like, he was like, well, you know how the the mayor's name is Mayor Makshaiz, and then he just sent me a gif of Mayor McCheese. <laughs> oh me, I'm not a cheeseburger. I'm Mayor McCheese, you know. Mayor McCheese is behind this whole thing the whole time. So I don't know. We don't know for sure that that's what it is. I don't know who is theorizing that that could be what it is. <laughs> but now that I've seen it, it's like, that's gotta be what it is. It's all I can hear now. We mention it. People say it. I watched the episode again. And it's <laughs> all I can hear is Mayor McCheese. And I'm really so sorry to anyone listening to this. If it like, that's all you'll hear too. But I'm also like, you're welcome because it's, it, you told me that earlier, you texted me that and I like <laughs> dropped my phone. It's gotta be what it is. Oh my God. You can just see them in the John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez. Like we got to call Mayor Makshaiz. We got to We got to sneak Mayor McCheese in here somewhere. Yeah, I can't believe it. I I was I just like immediately was thinking of this glass we used to have when I was a kid that was totally. from like the the eighties that was like a an election for Mayor McCheese and I don't have it anymore. <laughs> I think it broke, but it was like one of my prized possessions. I don't even know. I I would like us to get that confirmed someday. I, it's probably good that that glass broke because those things are lead bombs. I got those like Burger King Star Wars glasses. Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> I like drove to a gas station like 30 minutes south of here to meet somebody to get them to do like shady dealings in a shell station parking lot to get these like Burger yes. King Star Wars glasses. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait to drink out of these all the time and looked them up. And it's like, there's just like all lead paint. <laughs> so it's like just for looking at, not for drinking out of it's, it's hard to even go on beyond that because it's, just... it's such a, it's such a bombshell. It's, the disgraced Mayor McCheese. I don't, I, again, I don't know who said it. It's not confirmed. I'm not taking credit for this. Sean what? is not taking credit for this. I was wondering if it was him like, yeah, I saw this thing on Twitter, but uh, it's actually his theory. No, uh, no, he would have, if he, if it was his, he would have said it. Cause yeah, that is something you would want to take credit for. Cause it's like. It's pretty really good. incredible. Yeah, it's it's it really dwarfed my perception of the show. And now I just want the I want the major domo's name to be like Hamburglar. <laughs> uh, and this is my assistant Grimoss. Uh. <laughs> so sorry to anyone who's mad that they know that now. Again, we don't know for sure that it's true. So, <laughs> but we're going to move forward assuming it is. We were talking a little bit about the existence or like the, the fate of the Tuscan child and that mm -hmm. Tuscan warrior because you don't see their bodies. Mm -hmm. He does burn like the tiny Tim Tuscan gaffy stick. Mm -hmm. And you do see like the chieftain, the main chieftain's body. You said you had an idea of where that might be heading. What do you think is going on there? What keeps coming to mind for me since episode one is the way that this is so closely par paralleling the Mandalorian timeline season one. And especially in this episode, because we see Pelimoto and the pit droids walk by. Right. And we see, and we see stormtrooper helmets being put on spikes. Yes. Like we see in the Mandalorian. So that's a thing. They're very pointedly showing us that. And what my thought is, I think that he is going to see Mando arrive. I think that he's going to see his helmet and his deal and be like, who in the name of the whatever is that? It's going to freak his freak. And then I think, <laughs> or maybe he'll see him like 
he'll he'll find Fennec first and then see him. I don't know, but I think that it's very pointed that we're seeing Boba's interactions with Tusken Raiders and that we saw Mando's interactions with Tusken Raiders even before Absolutely. that. And I think that that is going to be a thing that he's going to see him talk to them or even if we if we see if he doesn't see like that first interaction with the bobby cannavale son thing but maybe he'll see the season two interaction when he was with Cobb vanth sure so i just i think that that's going to be a thing i think that's going to be part of the reason that boba fett is not murderous towards mando after like a minute you know like they kind of like figure each other out after so i just think that that's going to come into play and i think that like i just don't think that the tuscan part of this story of boba fett's story is over yet they're moving mountains to humanize the tuscan raiders mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. that's that's it's funny because i i'm so wrapped up in this storyline that i forget that book of boba fett exists to tie in with yes. Ahsoka as well, it, they said into like a, a major event. They were calling this three, like two point five Mandalorian season two point five or something. It's supposed to all kind of like twist and tie together with Ahsoka and Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But I keep forgetting mm-hmm. that that's the case. I keep forgetting that it's all supposed to kind of tie back together. I've been thinking about it more in terms of like the long game of them planting the seed of humanizing the Tusken Raiders. But I keep forgetting that that's very likely that. They're yeah. showing us, like I said, like the very pointedly, like no pun intended, but like putting the stormtrooper helmets on the spikes. You know, it's a very striking image from Mandalorian. It's kind of like a timestamp for where we are in this time, like where we might yes. be leading up to this timeline. I was thinking of it as the the child, like not not Grogu, but the Tuscan <laughs> child and the warrior from the Tuscan tribe. Mm-hmm. Maybe they took a small pocket of these escaping Tuscan Raiders away from this that survived and are spreading to different tribes to kind of spread the word of like, there's a, this protector or the man of legend or something is here. And they kind of spread the word and like ready the forces to like back him up something like that. Where like, it's got to be five years later. And maybe he knows they're out there waiting in the desert still. Mm -hmm. And you know, the child's older, the warrior's older, maybe, Maybe the Tuscan child has become what Boba wanted to be. That's something. Maybe the Tuscan child is becoming what Boba wanted from Django. You know, mm-hmm. maybe his fatherly actions toward this child have like changed who the leadership of the Tuscan tribes is going to be. And like, that's true. Has this, you know, this rising warrior through the ranks of the Tuscan tribes that's going to unite them and bring them back to, to seize Tatooine back for themselves again as the rightful owners of Tatooine. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so, I'm just so into what they're doing with the, with the Tusken Raiders. I just love it so yeah. much. And it's completely unexpected, even after that crate dragon episode. And I have a couple of friends that are like, Oh, they're just retreading Mandalorian plot lines. Like there's this, and I was like, they're not, I don't think they're retreading. I think that we all know as Star Wars fans that there's echoes throughout every, mm-hmm. every entry. And it's like, they're telling us that these things are related. They're not just like, oh, we're out of ideas because they're clearly not out of ideas. It's these things that are just like interlocked and echoing throughout these chapters to show that there's a greater significance here. No, I totally agree. And I think like I never want to say that like I hope for anything. I try to go into all new Star Wars, not really hoping for anything. Sure. But I'll say like if we don't see another single living Tusken Raider for the next four episodes and it <laughs> ends without seeing a single one or any reference to them, then I'll be like, okay, that sucks. But yeah, I yeah. just I just don't see that happening. I just don't. And I mean, look, John Favreau, white guy, rich guy, I don't know what he's going to do. Like, but I just think story-wise, I think it's going to come back and it's going to be and it's going to be purposeful. I don't know. I don't think that they've played this Tuscan Raider long game for no reason. You know, I don't think that no. they've they've spent so much time making an emotional, empathetic connection to mm-hmm. the Tuscan Raiders who we previously viewed as like savages. The whole series, like I said, is like moving mountains to right. to flip the things that we viewed as the bad guys or the evil things or the dangerous creatures. Right. Starting with Boba Fett into no, there's two sides to everything. It's about all about viewpoints. It's all about how you yeah. view things in their specific environment. So I think that there's a lot 
going yeah. on here besides a slow a slow speeder chase through Mos Espa. Like, I think there's a lot more to focus on here, you know? I think so, too. And I, I'll also say, like, as far as Mandalorian connections, like, even outside of the Tusken Raiders, like, mm-hmm. I didn't know how much I thought they would connect the two. But now that we saw that Pelimoto shot with the pit droids walking by, like, if anyone yeah. out there listens to Force Time, Grogu watch, red alert. <laughs> we were at like green we were at green last week we were like nah and now we just saw pelly i'm like red alert like red alert <laughs> seriously something's uh, gonna happen i don't know how far they're gonna go i don't know if we're gonna see pedro i mean if even if we did we would see helmeted mando so it would probably be latif crowder or brendan wayne or whatever but still wow deep pulls there great job <laughs> Those are the I don't stunt know those guys. Yeah, I don't. I don't know their names. <laughs> well, Latif is actually listed in the credits as a stunt double on this show, so I don't know who he's who he's doubling. But mm, I saw his name in the credits. But um, you're on Latif watch too, not just Grogu watch. But <laughs> he's cool. He's really cool. But yeah, so I don't know how far they'll go with the Mando, but Grogu watch is red. Red alert. Yeah, I just wonder. I just wonder. <laughs> That's all. I, do too. I just you know, and it's like to a lesser extent. I just wonder if like. Black Grinsanton's going to come back and be on the side of Boba against the Pikes. If there's even a more dangerous threat beyond the Pikes, and they're just like readying the troops just in case, and something else bigger is going to happen, it's it's a situation where thematically, I feel like I know where things might be going, but plot wise and story wise, I'm just so excited to see what happens next. I just think it's I think it's just such a fun show. I agree, and also uh, on the side of Black Grinsanton, uh, Wookies have life debts, right? So right, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he'll run back into frame. Do you have anything else you want to add about this episode? I think we I think we covered quite a bit of ground this time. I think we did. I mean, I, I feel like I didn't talk enough about how awesome Fennec Shand is, and I try to just talk about that every week. <laughs> I don't have much to say besides just that I'm obsessed. Ming Na Wen, helmets off to you. So cool. I still can't get out of my head from last week where she's like, it's empty. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> There's also um I almost said Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, yeah, there's also a Bryce Dallas Howard episode coming up too, right? She's directed an episode of this. I believe so. And I heard a rumor that uh, Filoni might be episode six. Ooh. I don't know if that's true. Don't quote me. Well, you just quoted yourself because you're on a podcast. No so <laughs> You're locked well, in, Kara. I, I saw one of the spoiler mongers or whatever clickbaiting that but i don't know for sure i think he was on the list though and you're right i think bryce was on there too so it's exciting and the one thing i keep forgetting about too how is he getting slave one back where is slave one currently and there was a shot in the trailer of him and fennec like in a garage or whatever right like yeah we speculated on into the garbage shoot that it's in a parking structure at jabba's palace with like 100 tickets on it still it's about to be impounded yeah yeah i mean that's that's like 25th on the list of things i'm wondering about but it's still it's got to happen at some point it's on there for sure yeah that about covers it for episode three before we wrap it up kara are you ready to face the trials once again Yes, this time I'm ready. There was one of the times, when was it? During the trailer breakdown, I was not ready. This time I am ready. Let the trials commence. In the trials, we like to take a few aspects of the episode or the aspects of the movie, whatever we're covering, and um, just play a couple little fun uh, games or thought exercises for it. So first, pretty straightforward. What would you name your Rancor? I don't know. I was thinking, and the first thing that came to mind was Weeble. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's that's very in line with, like, uh, um, was it Moochie from Bad Batch? Yeah. And uh, was it Patina? Is that the name of, the, of Jabba's? I think so. Yeah. And I was thinking of, like, Weeble's Wobble, but they don't fall down. Isn't that wow. a thing? <laughs> so it's empowering, too. <laughs> Yeah. It's Rancor Empowerment. I like but that. But it would probably Weeble. be like W-I-E-B apostrophe L or something. <laughs> it's got to be, right? Yes. I was thinking of naming mine Mayor McCheese. No, I'm just kidding. I uh, <laughs> I really enjoy when pets have real basic human names. Like Lindsay for a like, cat yeah. or something. Yeah. Exactly. Kevin. My uh, my friends Jared and Cheka have a little uh, wiener dog named Tammy, 
And I think I would, I think I would name the Rancor Tammy in honor of, uh, of Tammy, the wiener dog. Oh, that's really good. That's my answer is Tammy, the Rancor. Also a little detail I liked is that Rancor is plural for Rancor. It's like, nice. how about that? Who knows what will, what will we learn next week? This part is called your first week. This specific one for Book of Boba Fett. What would you do on your first week as the daimyo of, of Mos Espa of whatever, whatever part of the, uh, whatever piece of the pie you got? This one's tricky too. My my thought though is that I would probably do something similar to what Boba did. Just like have the people come to you and like kind of do the Don Corleone daughter's wedding type thing you know just like have the line out the door just one at a time like airing of grievances yeah just meet everybody like what's your deal what do you have to offer <laughs> that kind so, of thing is that what you would say to them is they come in one by one and you go what's your deal what's your deal what's the story yeah and then uh yeah probably have a party <laughs> right? right i mean you gotta like have it. like a big soiree jabba have one nightly so right People would storm into your your palace and say that they don't respect you, and you'd be like, "Well, we're having a party." So I, yeah, I would have a party and like maybe like throw someone into the rank or pit in the middle of it, like have some <laughs> type of like very performative showing of maybe like even hire somebody to act like a, and then let them go and don't actually hurt them, but just like you know <laughs> something like that. That wraps it up for this week. Do you want to tell people where they can find your subscription information or how to get a hold of you? Yeah. So uh, my zine is, like I said, first issue of the year is coming out in March uh, in a little special bundle. So if you're interested in that, you can find me on Instagram. Again, I'm not on Twitter. I'm only on Instagram. Uh, Into (laughs) a Larger World by Kara, Kara with a K. Uh, check me out there. You can see me in issue 207 of Star Wars Insider, which is crazy. Um, I'm on Patreon too. I'm also on YouTube. I don't do a ton of Star Wars stuff, but if you are uh, interested in collage art and art journaling, I have a YouTube channel. And yeah, Instagram, find me. All the links are there and uh, we can yell about Rancors. Carol will throw a party for you and then toss you to the Rancor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're um, you're going on into the garbage chute next week to talk about I am. episode four, correct? That is true. And then I'll be rounding out the season uh, on force time, I think. so. Just making the rounds, Kara. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of force time, next week we'll be joined by Travis from force time yeah. to discuss chapter four of the book of Boba Fett. Looking forward to having Travis on. You'll have for to sure. do a Grogu watch when he's with you, for sure. I think, I, yeah, he's got to bring that feature. He's the button he presses to get that air raid siren. He's got to bring that with him. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Kara, thanks for being here, and uh, we Thank were happy you. to have you back and talk Star Wars. So, and you still haven't seen the Matrix Resurrections, have you? No, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> I will, I will, I will. I made a note that was like, call Kara out for not watching the Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. No, I deserve uh, it. I deserve no, it. No, you're fine. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> follow us on instagram make sure to do so at b1n1pod subscribe rate and review us on apple podcasts make sure to follow along on spotify ring the little bell on there to follow us and never miss a new episode special thanks to christian cremo rick johnson and josh stacy for our theme song and before we head out this episode is dedicated to the memory of our dear friend matt carey who we lost over this past week matt was truly one of a kind someone who valued creativity and kindness over almost anything else Our thoughts go out to Katie and everyone hurting from his loss, which is so many people at this point. Everyone that ever ran into Matt Carey had only amazing things to say, that he was a ray of kindness, that they could tell he exuded compassion, that he was just the nicest person they've met. He's someone that always asked about my boys. He's someone that always asked how you were doing. He was always laughing the hardest in the room. He was always the most excited to do the thing to wear the costume, to be the person that he wanted to be. He was someone that was a huge example to me of who I wanted to be and 
just someone that we could all strive to be like. Um, we'll miss you dearly, Matt. We love you wherever you are. I hope you're singing Gordon Lightfoot or Bad Boys or Ballroom Blitz, all your karaoke standards. Um, we love you, man. We'll miss you. Legend lives on from the Chippewa on down at the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most, with a crew and good captain well seasoned. Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms When they left fully loaded for Cleveland Then later that night when the ship's bell rang Could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? The wind and the wires made a tattletale sound Captain did too, twas the witch of November come stealing.